the light trees and news everyone pop culture politics and a sprinkle of treason i'm joined today by meredith hello hello i got a text message from meredith minutes ago that was basically like we have so much shit to talk about can we start early and i was like that's responsible. Yes. <laughs> and listen, you're probably like, you're so right. There's so many important news items of the day to discuss. I'm not talking about important news items. I am, of course, talking about Army Hammer. We're going to get to it because we're two white women who at one point both lived in Brooklyn um, who were media or media adjacent. So we know all about this story. So we are obligated as white women to talk about it. I do think there are important elements of the story as well. So we'll get to all of that. But before we get into anything, I have a correction to issue. You know, we were covering last week the insurrection at the Capitol. Details were flying in like crazy. There was a lot of misinformation out there. So I wanted to clarify something. Um, while there are viral videos showing police officers acting a little too chummy, shall we say, with the white supremacist uh, mob that descended upon the Capitol, one of the videos that was circulating that appeared to show a police officer opening a gate to the mob does not actually show what everybody thought it showed. That was actually an overflow area. He wasn't allowing people into the Capitol. He was actually releasing them from an area where they were being held. So I just wanted to clarify that because, you know, accuracy is important. And for every selfie cop video that's out there, the, the cop who took a selfie with one of the pro-Trump um, rioters, there's a clip like that floating around. So it's important to um, parse and if, you if, you're, if you're looking for an accurate video, there is a uh, there is one that really was released this week um, when some of the Capitol cops were being interviewed about what happened, where you can hear someone in a large mob as they are trying to beat a Capitol, a, a D.C. city police officer. You can hear someone shout, shoot him with his own gun. So yes. there are plenty of uh, videos of very bad behavior that uh we can still find. So this and of course, you know, the Justice Department has come out and said that, that, you know, although I guess they walked that back a little bit, but there were protesters who had zip ties and who clearly had they encountered elected representatives intended to cause them physical harm. So we're going to get to all of that in the bad news section. But I wanted to thank Amanda, who upgraded their support of my work at my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Guys, times are tough. I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if you've looked out your window recently, but it is wild out there. So thank you so much, everybody who's still supporting the show. It's a rough time. So, yeah, any support you can send my way funds everything all of my hosting fees um paying my co-hosts everything like that so much appreciated <laughs> puts a roof over my head and food in my belly so thank you so much amanda also wrote in i'm just gonna read 
I got some Patreon messages, so I figured we could read those up top, Meredith, before we get into absolutely. I think we should laziness. Most important business (laughs) right away. So Amanda writes, hi, I just wanted to thank you for what you do. I bumped up my membership because thankfully I work in an, in an essential field, Aldi, and I got promoted to assistant manager. Amanda, congratulations. That's amazing. I've been listening to you since the tender age of 22. Now at 31, life has fin- finally calmed down and my bank account is not sad anymore. At least not to me. Thank you so much for helping me figure out who I am through these years and what I believe in. It's hard to live in the actual Mayberry, North Carolina and be so far to the left of this place. You make it easier. Please never stop. Thanks, Amanda. Um, And their signature is Amanda Ballsy Lane, which I love. Amanda, thank you so much for upgrading your support. You're amazing. I appreciate it so much. Matt writes in, just finished the pop culture section, and I'm actually loving this time is fake approach to the pod. I'm hooked, and if this turns into one of those three-hour shows that I have to put on double speed, I'm sort of fine with that. Matt, thank you so much. Charles and I went fucking buck wild on last week's episode ranting about Wonder Woman and suddenly had done like a two-hour show, and I was like, Charles, we absolutely have to stop. Um, but I'm so glad you liked it. And I'm so glad that you guys are liking the longer pop culture section, because as I've repeatedly said on this show and in my life and to anyone who will listen, I deeply hate politics and hate talking about it, which is an awkward position to be in because I host a political podcast. So I'm trying to get away from it (laughs) for like my mental health. Um, and you guys have been very supportive of that. And I, we know we still talk about politics by default. Cause I think it's in my DNA at this point and it just sort of seeps in sometimes, but, um, yeah. I love politics despite the fact that we live in this world and I still enjoy the chance. I know you really, you're a little more of a wonk than I am though. Like you, you really like the inner workings of it and like, you're good at it. I just, my, I can like feel my cholesterol level going up. That's how politics affects me. I like, I'm, I'm not like a policy wonk or anything. I just get like, I could put my fist through a wall. I'm so mad. <laughs> it's true. I do like spreadsheets and reading the actual text. Of yes. The, the that, so that's your vibe. Like, your vibe is a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> that's the darkest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> uh, Diane writes in with recommendations. Thank you. Yes. If you're a Patreon supporter of mine, again, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, you send questions, comments, concerns, but also recommendations that we'll read on the show. So Diane writes, you've probably already watched this, but the BBC series Silent Witness is pretty good. It follows a team of forensic pathology experts and their investigations into various crimes. It has a diverse cast with strong female leads. You can find it on BritBox. For some light watching and some adventures, the series Good Karma Hospital is a medical drama series about a disillusioned doctor, Ruby Walker, who heads for South India, hoping to make a fresh start. You can find it on Acorn. Happy viewing, Diane in Reno. Diane in Reno, thank you. I had not heard of any of these series. Anytime anyone writes in and they're like, you've probably heard of this. Nine times out of 10, I have not. 
for someone who consumes an insane amount of media, I haven't heard about a lot of uh, TV shows and movies. So thank you for the recommendation. I don't have BritBox, which is shocking because I love 99% of British procedurals I've seen. And yet somehow I have avoided getting BritBox, but maybe I'll have to get BritBox. Do you have BritBox? Uh, I have Acorn, uh, but uh, which is the other British and Austra- British slash Australian uh, streaming service, which I'm a big fan of. And, okay. uh, but I have seen an episode or two of Silent Witness when hanging out with my parents. Uh, it is uh, Rod and Cindy Clark approved British procedural television. So, and guys, you don't know that, but uh, you don't know this, but that is like uh, better than Siskel and Ebert. <laughs> Truly. So, huge recommendation. Brian writes in, I could so relate to the talk in the pop culture section. I felt bad at the end of 2020 for having only seen 27 movies by year's end. Okay, Meredith, I want you to weigh in on this. Mm -hmm. I was explaining to Charles that most people don't go to the movies a lot, like in the best of times. And I said, most people see one or two movies a year. And he was like gobsmacked. He was like, one or two movies a year? And I was like, yeah, if you have kids you're not going to the movies a lot. You'll maybe go see one or two movies a year. Do you think that's right or I'm lowballing it? No, I think that that's absolutely true. Uh, I I talked to somebody late last year who, as of at the end of September, the last movie he had seen in the theater was Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, and like, I think that's totally normal. Yeah, I, I don't think that's atypical at all. But we're in such a media bubble. We watch so many movies. Well, we watch so many movies, but also living in a city where you're expected to not just see the new things. You're supposed to see, you don't just see the blockbusters because everybody goes to see the Marvels and the Star Wars, like that kind of ends up happening. And then we, but we get all of the other ones and all of the old movies that play at certain spots and weird film festivals and I think we've gotten used to a level of consumption that most people do not, uh, they must wonder, most people would wonder how any of us can afford to eat given the amount of time and money we end up spending. Oh, and the answer to that is uh, we don't eat. <laughs> and right. if we do, we don't eat well. Um, <laughs> yeah, especially when I was like heavy into the improv community, like improv is all like references, references, reference, like for better or for worse, right? Like if you're in a scene and somebody starts talking about a, like a movie that just came out, you better know about that movie. So it's also like, I, it's like research, you know, like I had to know what the latest, uh, pop culture stuff was. So anyways, Brian writes, though that does bring me to a wreck. The last movie I saw in 2020 was a British vampire movie called bit. And I really liked it. It sold as an intersectional feminist vampire movie. So that had me, I'll admit it doesn't 100% live up to that, but it totally, uh, it doesn't totally with it either. So I call that a win full disclosure though. The movie stars Nicole Maines who plays dreamer on Supergirl, and I'm kind of low key in love with her. So that might've colored my perception of the film a little bit. Um, thank you for the recommendation. I would check that out too. These are good recommendations, guys. I'm loving it. Um, Mark writes in, you guys were chatty on my Patreon this month and I love it. Mark writes in, 
what would it take for you to do a formal pop culture podcast? Oh, Mark, be still my heart. As much as I love your input on politics, and I certainly believe that a political podcast like yours is incredibly important to exist, I was shocked when you mentioned that you've been talking for an hour about pop culture because that flew by. I would greatly enjoy a podcast dedicated to it. Mark, listen, I want it to happen. So you don't got to twist my arm, okay? Maybe we'll just slowly start to make the pop culture section longer <laughs> and the politics uh, section shorter on the show. And um, I'll sneak it past you guys that way. I don't know. I don't know. We're just spitballing here. We can we can do it like when Jon Stewart took over The Daily Show and like counted down from five questions to one question. <laughs> and suddenly there was no more five questions. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll sneak um, it past you guys that way. And then Jennifer, Jennifer took my advice to keep the recommendations in the comments short to like the next level. Jennifer just wrote rec servant and that's it. <laughs> and I also think that is the record for the shortest comment or recommendation I've ever gotten on light trees and news. Jennifer, you are a trailblazer. I don't know what that means, honey. <laughs> what is servant? Is that a movie? Is that a series? You've given me no information. Um, so I guess I'll clarify a little bit, keep them short, but like, give me some information servant Meredith, any ideas? Uh, I mean, I hope she's suggesting that you get one. Oh, okay. Like a manservant. Uh, yeah. Jennifer, if I ever did have a manservant, I would pay him a living wage and allow him to live with the utmost dignity. I'm not opposed to the idea. Yeah. I'll just say that. So let's go with that. Jennifer is recommending that I get a manservant, pay him a living wage, allow him to live with dignity. And I'm pro that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I will look up whether or not this is an actual thing at some point. I could have done that as well. And I just didn't for the bit. Uh, but thank you, Meredith. That's very responsible of you. Um, but yes, you guys keep them short, but include a bit of context. Is it a movie? Is it a TV series? Uh, again, I, I watch a ridiculous amount of media, but I can't watch all media. So they, although I have to say it sounds familiar, I just can't place it. Do you find anything? Uh, I have not yet, but Ooh. I will keep, I oh, yeah, here, let me just find, I'm going to keep going. Uh, well, also my internet is being difficult, but Hey, oh, that's okay. we'll, we'll find it. Okay. Jennifer, we'll thank you. Anybody else who wants to send recommendations for next week's episode, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny for as little as $5 a month. You can support all of my work over there and you skip the line basically. And we read your comments, questions, recommendations first on the show. Oh, okay. Apple TV show. Oh, and what is it? It's the M night Shyamalan Apple plus TV show. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Jennifer, I like it. I like that. So. That's a strong recommendation. So I also have recommendations, but I almost feel like either I should hold them. Although I don't know. Should we do recommendations quick first before we launch into everything? Uh, sure. We can okay. do that. All right. I'm just going to do, uh, yeah, I'll do two. <laughs> I'm lying. I'll do three. Because two are book recommendations, and I feel like I have not recommended a book on this show in years. So one was recommended to me by you, Meredith, on this very show. It is A Certain Hunger by Chelsea Summers. 
great, great read. I just finished that. It is, of course, about a cannibalistic uh, food critic, and it is beautifully written. It is about a female serial killer, so a, a viewpoint we don't get to hear from very often. And it is oddly feminist and <laughs> insightful in a way that is also very entertaining. And it's not like after school specials. So, and it's, as I said, uh, beautifully written. So I do recommend that. And then weirdly, I had also bought a book called Ghosts written by Dolly Alderton that I did not know also had a female protagonist who's a food critic. So... <laughs> A uh, weird amount of overlap, even though Ghost is very different from A Certain Hunger. Ghost is all about, like, entering the online dating world when you're already in your 30s and how weird of an experience that is. And it's about a, a very weird year in this woman, the, the protagonist's life. It is so fucking funny. I very, very rarely laugh out loud when I read a book. Um but I've already laughed out loud and I'm only on like page 50. So it's so funny. And this, I just wrote in my notes, this funny book dragged me to death because I so strongly identify <laughs> with the character in the book. And yeah, if you are, especially if you're like dating on apps right now, it's really insightful and in an amazing way. And yeah, uh, I don't want to give anything away, but there's so many specifics about like the dudes that she like hooks up with and dates that are so spot on. Oh no. I'm not sure if I am capable emotionally <laughs> of reading that at the moment. Yeah, so we are in month 11 of quarantine and therefore. Well, oh, I'll say this, like it definitely, it like cuts to the quick a lot, but also it makes you feel oddly okay about, at least for me, not dating right now because it's like oh yeah I don't miss that or that or that or that you know what I'm fine just staying at home right now <laughs> well that's good yeah I will still check it out it's just still a little, it is a little ridiculous but okay <laughs> and then my only other recommendation I'll I'll say on this episode because we got to get to uh <laughs> the craziness that went down. Uh, WandaVision has started on Disney plus they, the first two episodes are up right now. I, I could not stop smiling the whole first episode. If you were raised on a diet of Nick at night and you grew up watching Dick Van Dyke or bewitched, this is going to make you feel so nostalgic in the best way. It looks like they're on the Dick Van Dyke set. Like truly they just like lifted it. Um, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are so fucking charming. And unlike in the Marvel films, they actually get to like act off of each other <laughs> in this. And they are so wonderful together. Their chemistry is great. Um, and then they do this thing where it's, a, it's obviously a very light, funny show, but then they fluctuate between that tone and these really dark moments because there's something strange going on. And we don't know quite what it is yet. We know they're not actually in this world. And something strange is happening to Wanda. But we don't know what it is. But whenever they switch to that dark tone, it gets very cool. Um I just kept seeing comments from people on Twitter that were like, this is so weird. What's happening? And it's just like, 
listen, we all have to be adults and just watch a thing and trust that it will be explained to us. But this sort of reflexive reaction where it's like, I don't immediately understand what's going on. So I don't like it. It's like, grow up. (laughs) Allison, how dare you expect creative leaps from existing IP? That's just so (sighs) 1990s of you. Well, I was like, is this just a bunch of fucking, um, okay, listen, I don't want to talk shit about people. But it seems like maybe the Marvel fans are a little resistant to anything that doesn't quite fit snugly into the MCU universe. And this is definitely weird and it's definitely different, but it's going to be okay. Fetch your blankies and your bottles. It'll be fine. You're watching a slightly different thing than the Avengers. Okay. But you'll be okay. That's all I have to say about that. You'll be okay. Uh, Do you have any recommendations? I do. I have two. Uh, And we're going to do my typical uh, high-low kind of thing again. Love it. First is a movie called Star Trek, or Starstruck, uh, which is an Australian movie directed by Gillian Armstrong, and it was released in 1982. And it's sort of a musical. It's sort of a punk rock, new wave kids in the underground music scene story, uh, young people with big dreams. So there's a lot of very strange musical numbers, a lot of like early eighties, like fashion and style and music. And it's a crazy look at Australian culture when we didn't have the internet and so didn't actually find out what the hell was going on in Australia unless Mel Gibson was making a movie about it. And I just love it and think it's wonderful. And it's on several streaming services, uh, to be for free. If you have Amazon prime, you can watch it. Um, just highly recommend cause it's weird and sweet and like not perfect, but just adorable. And the other movie I'm going to recommend, and you're going to think I've gone completely insane oh boy greenland the new gerard butler disaster movie oh but if it's ever gerard butler i assume you're gonna love it that is distressingly true however (laughs) i was like is this bitch about to say that's not true uh no it is accurate but this time as instead of liking it because it's absolute garbage it's (laughs) competently impressively done okay and he he and morena buckerin uh she of gotham and uh uh firefly are a decent couple they have good chemistry the storyline makes sense it's confusing how well it works as an actual film because i'm not used to seeing him in movies where he does things that seem to have understandable motivations. So, however, it is, uh, my sister and I were completely wrapped. We had an amazing time. We're very, very shocked that we, uh, we thought it was high quality, but I definitely think if you are looking for a disaster movie that is like a cross between Armageddon and uh, Armageddon 2012 and Deep Impact, Okay. But somehow pulls that off. Mm. Okay. That sounds good. That's, I'm intrigued by that yeah. summary. Okay. I, I check that out. 
Yeah, this is, at one point my sister looked at me and said, why wouldn't they just try to Armageddon this? Don't you think they live in the world in which Armageddon was a movie that came out and Gerard Butler probably saw with her on a date? Listen, listen, I'm just going to tell you as someone who's gone down this rabbit hole before, you will drive yourself insane thinking, do the characters in this movie know what Armageddon is? (laughs) So don't even do that. That is the quickest path to madness. Don't ask that question. It just unpacks uh, uh, Pandora's box of wildness into your life. So, uh, okay. Those are, yeah. Those are my two. I can leave it at that. Uh, right. we do have some very important things. We, we got to get to it. We got to Let's, let's knock it out. Um, Meredith, I hope you're hydrated right now. I hope you have been resting and stretching in preparation for this conversation that we're about to have. I am ready. So I feel like you and I have been talking about aspects of this story for years, which is another reason I wanted to discuss it on the show because it was like, the worst kept secret. All right, let me just start at the beginning of because I think a lot of people this story was new to them, so they had no background information and it seemed to like come out of nowhere, which is part of the reason it was trending on Twitter because people were like, "This is so fucking crazy." But if you know Army Hammer, it's not that crazy. So over the weekend, a series of unverified Instagram direct messages allegedly sent by Army Hammer were leaked online, many of which were published by this Instagram user at House of Effie, and their contents were very, very weird and <laughs> disconcerting, in which Army Hammer said various weird shit like, I am 100% a cannibal, I want to eat you, if I wanted to cut off one of your toes and keep it with me in my pocket, so I always had a piece of you in my possession, um, et cetera, et cetera. So this kicks off this whole internet hysteria where people were making very funny jokes about Army Hammer being a cannibal. So that is one aspect of this story. There's this whole other aspect of the story, however, that Army Hammer was engaged in several that we know of um, BDSM style relationships. So when that became a little more well-known, and he, of course, was... Um, I don't want to use the word busted or exposed, but somebody noticed, I think like a little over a year ago that he had liked, um, rope bondage photos on Instagram and either didn't know or didn't care that your likes on Instagram are public. So people could see that. So then people were like, Oh, army hammers into like BDSM. So then there was like a response to that where people were like, Let's not kink shame this man. So that became like a sort of secondary reaction to the story. But there's another level to this story, which is the actual level that I'm interested in, which is there have been allegations about Army Hammer for years that he is abusive in some of his BDSM hookups and relationships where he ignores safe words He deliberately crosses boundaries. And I'm just going to say heads up trigger warning moving forward because I'm going to talk about a specific instance. Oh, and Uh, and this is going to be true throughout. The things get pretty dark. So one of his uh, partners 
specifically had a line where she said, I don't want to do uh, anal sex. And they had consented to do a non-consensual role playing, meaning that he would pretend to rape her, but that they had safe words and that she had drawn these very clear boundaries, no anal sex. And he uh, deliberately ignored that and uh, raped her. There's no other word for it when she told him not to do that. So that is obviously one of the most serious allegations against Army Hammer. That's the thing that a lot of people are like, no, this is actually, he's dangerous. This is very serious. He was known to frequent sex parties in Brooklyn and women would warn each other not to go into private rooms with him for this reason, that he would ignore safe words, that he would deliberately cross boundaries. So all of those allegations have been out there for years. And I think like, you and I, Meredith, had like mentioned before on the show, like him being at sex parties and stuff. And like we had heard these rumors before, but this is really the first time that we've seen all of these allegations in one place. And what's frustrating about it is it's become the Army Hammer cannibalism story or just like even worse, like making fun of his name or the fact that he's like, I mean, he does look like the poster boy for like the Aryan race, you know? And like, I understand that's all like very funny, but also if you read the, uh, page six article interview that was published with army hammers, ex-girlfriend, Courtney, uh, Vuskovich, I apologize. I think, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and about like the scope of his behavior, she confirms like the cannibal comment stuff, but also she gets into like the emotional abuse aspects and how he, I mean, to me, it sounds like she's describing someone who has a borderline personality disorder, like where he charms people, he grooms them. Uh, and then he gets very dark and very obsessive where he's like texting you a hundred times a day. This guy is exhibiting really controlling, dangerous, scary behavior. And then Sorry to rant, Meredith, but I just want to, no, like, lay get all my thoughts out. Then when you go back and you read his old interviews where he's talking about his his ex-wife, Elizabeth Chambers, it's so clear this man has is, like, exhibiting classic Madonna horror complex where he talks about respecting his wife too much to do stuff like pull her hair when they're having sex, like exploring some of those BDSM aspects. And that's when you realize it's like, oh, cause you think you can't do BDSM unless you don't respect the women, unless you think they're whores. Yeah. And that's not what BDSM is about. BDSM is about consent and mutual respect and trust. And you had none of that with these women. You violated their trust. You thought they were whores and you thought you could like, basically do an emotional dump on them and then go back to your Madonna wife. Who's like the perfect mother, the perfect wife and like cleanse yourself. Like this dude has a fucked up relationship with sex. Yes. Uh, and you know, yes, we have been talking about this for a long time and I know what, what I've been paying attention or trying to pay attention to the way things have been getting covered because there's obviously this element of there's there's a potential for serious kink shaming and um, 
and slut shaming of people who, of the women who were involved with him and actually having a discussion about how this should be a story about the creeper, like the person mm-hmm. who is supposed to be getting kicked out of the sex club for being a weirdo, not and being dangerous. I mean, genuinely dangerous and not that this guy is a, a sleaze bag. You know, we are looking, it's two completely different, you know, we've got a rich man with serious issues, whether they're substance or personality or both or some combination. This is a person who is not safe to be around. And we don't have a vocabulary to discuss that because we can't separate it from the fact that the boundaries within these relationships were always kind of fungible. And I can only imagine how hard it must have been for the women who were involved with him to actually get to a point where they felt like they could start to take care of themselves. Because if we can't talk about it when you can see the DMs that he's sending to these women, which are unbelievably graphic. um, And now there's that... (laughs) video that came out so some celebrities have a friends only insta called finstas and army had one of them and he's posting more videos on them that shows like a scantily clad woman on all fours in his hotel room in the cayman islands when he's there to visit his children and like it just seems like we are entering a irreversible spiral phase right now yeah so i I don't want to like you know dude uh, clearly uh, has mental issues is probably abusing um alcohol and drugs but even before that there was this pattern uh, i wish i had the article i don't i think it was a buzzfeed article about they basically were like, stop trying to make Army Hammer happen. It was, it was an Anne Helen Peterson essay yes. on BuzzFeed from a couple of, from 2017, I think, yes. when he had had some, I don't know, second or third big budget movie. I think it was around when The Lone Ranger came out. Uh, and yes. And, and the, like, Call Me By Your Name had just started to get this buzz. And it was like, oh, maybe this dude is going to have a career. But basically this piece was an exploration of how only someone like Army Hammer would be welcomed into Hollywood with open arms, be afforded the privilege to fail multiple times in pretty spectacular fashion, like big budget films with a lot of promotion that just ate their dick at the box office and continue to be invited back into the room because he is a six foot five, incredibly handsome in an Anglo-Saxon way, white man named Army Hammer. Yeah. And he carries himself with a tremendous amount of confidence, much of which is unearned. He's very charming and uh, says the right quote unquote woke political things that put people at ease around him. And it is that type of man who is consistently offered work and opportunity when he hasn't particularly earned it or shown that he is particularly talented. Like he's a fine actor, but he's not amazing. He, he picks the right projects occasionally, like call me by your name where all anybody talked about in that movie was Timothy Chalamet, but he was also there. So people were like, and you're good too, you know, 
but like he's not amazing right he's just very very handsome and white oh. and the the most convincing thing he's ever done on screen is when he's caught on camera at a climactic moment of the movie sorry to bother you when he's shouting at some people who are being some some employees ish of his and he says I will turn you into glue. <laughs> and maybe, and like, and, and knowing Army Hammer and knowing his history, it's like, oh, yeah, he was just really tapping into, like, Armand Hammer in that moment. Yeah, and I thought, oh, now that is much freakier. But yeah, if you want to know anything about Army's ha uh, Army Hammer's family, Armand Hammer, his grandfather, purchased uh, shares in Arm & Hammer uh, because he thought it was funny that their names were similar. That That's the type of money uh, Army Hammer comes from, where you can buy Arm & Hammer because you're like, huh, it's like my name. <laughs> nice. It's the, it's the backstory to Schitt's Creek, except with a baking powder company. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the reason I bring up the BuzzFeed piece is I do think there's some interesting overlap, parallels, whatever you want to call it, um, between the dude who can walk into any room in Hollywood and immediately be taken seriously and have projects thrown at him, even though he's had multiple failures, and the, the type of guy who is so arrogant that he will deliberately ignore very clear lines that people are drawing in his sexual relationships. Like, it's all about him. It's all about him enjoying the moment. And if he's in the moment and he is about to cross a line, he's going to cross the line because he's in the moment, you know? Well, and there's one of the most disturbing things that I read when I was going through um, the user house, Instagram House of Effie's uh, stories uh, that are up about her experience was conversations about not having a safe word, like wanting to play without a safe word, which is a fundamental baseline, like mm -hmm. tenet of any, um, I mean, it should be a part of any healthy sexual relationship because you never know if there's going to, you know, like regardless, regardless if you're in a BDSM no. relationship or not, like no, having a safe word is a good idea. <laughs> think of it as something that's very, it's like a BDSM thing because it originated there, but I think it's clearly it's it's an essential and like useful shorthand for communication about boundaries and comfort. And anyone who doesn't want to play with the safe word, who doesn't have a doesn't respect boundaries and doesn't do aftercare is uh, is abusive, is is being abusive and is not actually practicing kink. And that's just something that I hope more people will talk about as more information about this comes out because that's stuff that doesn't show up in a lot of porn certainly not the stuff you find on tube sites it's not something that people are just like are taught to discuss in healthy relationships because we don't have any sort of comprehensive sexual education that involves discussions of consent um and that is all stuff like it's horrible that there this is coming up and I I can't believe I almost feel I feel bad that I have spent so much time joking about him being like a sex club skis bag. I know I know uh, me too yeah because it was like it was a joke for a long time because it was it was sort of happening at this time when there was like a lot of little 
tidbit information about celebrities coming out that was like quasi quasi embarrassing, but also very funny. So like there was like the Chris Evans sex dungeon thing that came out. And then there was like, yeah, like, and I don't want to put the two in the same universe, obviously. But then there was like, oh, Army Hammer liked a bunch of rope bondage photos and have you heard he's like at these sex clubs and it was always like, ha ha ha. And then here's the, here's the honest truth. I'm going to be as truthful as I can be right now. You hear so many dark tidbits about so many men over the years and you never know which of it's true, which of it's rumors. And you just sort of, for your own sanity, filter some of that out. Like, yeah, we like we both heard Army Hammer ignore safe words and we were both like, that's bad. Yeah. But he also said, yeah, that tracks. That <laughs> tracks. That's the thing. It tracked so hard. It didn't even pop as unusual on my radar. I was like, oh, yeah, the rich privileged dude ignores safe words. Yeah, I guess. But I also heard a hundred other shady things about a hundred other men. And like, in order to preserve my sanity, I prioritize which I'm taking seriously in the moment. And the only reason I'm taking the army hammer one seriously right now is enough women have come forward right now that now we have like the cumulative charge sheet in front of us. And it's very easy to see patterns. And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is actually very serious. And this dude could hurt someone. Well, and, and it's the it's the scary thing about the fact that he has hurt with, people, by the way. With, Sorry, I want to correct that. He has already hurt people. Oh, yes. Well, I, I was going to say that the fund, like one of the things that sucks about women needing to or women, p- people, we don't let's not even just say women about people needing to rely on whisper networks when it comes to warning one another about individuals who might be dangerous is that if you're sufficiently removed from that network, it takes on the form of static and you end up feeling like you need an overwhelming deluge of evidence to say, okay, now that makes sense. And I can put it into the like confirmed awful category. Mm -hmm. And there are millions of people who are no, you know, have no reason that they would ever have to access this information. And they're also probably removed from it within their own lives. And I don't know how you do a better, how we can as a society do a better job of protecting community members uh, from abuse if the only way that people end up getting held accountable for shit like this or, you know, Lord knows anything else is if, you know, we need, I don't know what, how we get to the system where it's not once 20 women have come out and said, yeah, this horrible thing happened, this horrible thing happened. Um, and the and living in a state of hyper hypervigilance is a, a hallmark of post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that the only way to do this is to just assume that every bad thing you hear is real. Right. Is fundamentally destructive to a person's sanity in a completely in a different way. So the I I just can't imagine. It feels now I'm almost losing my train of thought because I just think that there are so many ways that this is you know it could be 
turning it that, that I worry that this story will turn into a punchline and it'll become. Yeah. That, and that's why I wanted to talk about it, obviously, because, you know, I'm in the comedy world uh, and, um, and, you know, I get everybody's impulse like to, to make jokes about the cannibalism thing. And, and all your jokes are very funny. I was ha ha haing uh, scrolling through Twitter. But. It's also important to remember that there is a very serious newsworthy aspect to this story, mm-hmm. which is um, the abuse mm-hmm. angle. And, well, and and I want to just tie this into what's been happening on social media with sex workers and um, the way that we've been discussing the way that we discuss sex workers on social media. Like there is clearly a difference between Army Hammer like. Instagram living or, you know, sort of doing a video and then scrolling past this woman that he has clearly ordered to remain on all fours on the bed while he's just treating her like an object. Uh, and you know, whatever, hardcore pornographic content, but you can't, you know, there are people who are sex workers or writers or artists who can't post the word sex in a caption on their Instagram post. Mm -hmm to promote non-explicit content without getting shadow banned for being inappropriate. So we're like, once again, holding up a, you know, creating a double standard where the thing that's allowed is the shitty behavior that has no potential value and people who are trying to make a living, but also functioning in a professional way are treated like they're doing something wrong. Like, if it's not possible to find examples of healthy consensual BDSM or healthy consensual kink, then how are people supposed to get a sense of what's right and what's wrong without seeking it out themselves? And not everybody is as lucky as we are to know people who work in the sex industry who who are professional doms. Oh, and by the way, anything I know about the healthy aspects of BDSM, like, like everything we've said about safe words, I've learned from female sex workers <laughs> who are like doms in uh, BDSM relationships or like they're sex workers and they're doms. But like any educational information I've learned about that has always, always, always come from women because they're the ones who make those environments safe. Sorry, not to be gendered about it, but it's true. You know, like there have been so many incredible women who have worked really hard to make those space is safe for, for people and they should get all of the credit and sex work is work and should be treated as such. And I also want to give all the credit to the women who have come forward with allegations about army hammer. Cause it, that's an incredibly brave thing to do. You know, he's going to send lawyers after them. He's already, already there's been consequences to this story breaking. He was supposed to be in a movie with um, J-Lo. He lost that part. Good. Rightfully so. There should be consequences to abusing people. But you know that's not going to last very long. And I just hope when he does try to bounce back, people aren't like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember something about cannibalism. But whatever. He's okay, I guess. And remember that this story is actually about abuse. Well, and... and Let's tie it to another person who has a long history of abuse, who's only now starting to see consequences for his terrible actions, Johnny Depp. Yes. It took almost 40 years for the depth, uh, let's say 30 years, for the, the breadth and depth of his 
horrific treatment of women and and people, but certainly women that he was in relationships with, to come out and have it actually lead to meaningful consequences. And even oh, now- and still, yeah, even still, there's like hashtags on t- Twitter on a weekly basis that are like Amber lied. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean he's and and I think specifically about the fact that he apologies to connecting it back to WandaVision, texting Paul Bettany talking mm-hmm. about wanting to basically have Amber Heard killed. Yeah. And and that being like and then Bettany kind of laughing it off. Like mm-hmm. that that was several years ago and then it took several years for that to come out and then it took more time until he lost his libel case in the UK before it's actually possible to talk about it without fear of of lawsuits and that many hurdles to get to a place where somebody faces consequences, it's completely reasonable to think that there will not be, um, that there will be a, a second act for Army Hammer after he's like gone to sex rehab or something. Hey, remember the Lone Ranger? Remember how that existed and was a thing? And oh my Johnny God, Depp? the movie together. Yeah, oh it was God. a Native American character. That's cool. That was a thing that happened not that long ago, you guys. Three years ago. Uh, I totally didn't know the Paul Bettany thing, and now I'm so bummed. I recommended WandaVision on this episode. This is what I mean about you cannot fully mentally process all the men you would need to cancel if you actually canceled all men who should be canceled. Yes, I have (laughs) nothing to add to that. (laughs) Like you would go crazy. So you have to make a little priority list in your head where it's like today I'm going to cancel Army Hammer and only Army Hammer so I can stay mentally sane and like carry about doing the rest of what I need to do today or I would go fucking insane. <laughs> Although now I have to think about it and I'm like, I wonder how else you could do a spider, like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but for shitty male behavior, just using the 2017 Lone Ranger movie. Oh, wow. That would be, I would definitely like look at that flow chart for a while. Yeah. And I, you have strong I, flow chart vibes. I, that does have strong, that, that <laughs> strong flow chart vibes. I'm going to end up sitting in my apartment like with a uh, cork board and I'm going to go full Charlie on It's Always Sunny. Just oh, my God. Listen, uh, I w- I'm very mad that you moved to Wisconsin, but if that's the outcome, I say worth it. I have space to go full like. Oh, beautiful mind. Another Paul Bettany. Oh, no, we can't. Um, we can't keep doing this. We'll go crazy. Yeah. Guys. That's enough of that. We've, I've once again done it. It's been an hour long pop culture section. You know what? I'm just calling it. This is a pop culture podcast. It happened. It happened overnight. No one saw it coming. We've been blindsided. It's a pop culture podcast. Don't worry, everybody. We're about to get to some bad news. You sick little fucks. I still have news on this podcast. Is this what you want? Is this what you came here for? Here's your bad news. Okay. First of all, I want to apologize for yelling at everyone. That was um, insane behavior, and I apologize. I love you all dearly. Listen, I, like so many people, have been changed forever by the pandemic and being isolated for a year. Will I ever be the same again mentally? Probably not. Am I weird now in a way that I wasn't before? Yes, So now that we've established that, I can't be held accountable for any of my behavior. 
So that's oh, exciting. That works? Okay. Yeah. If you acknowledge it, nobody can ever be mad at you. So that's what I've learned. All right. First in bad news, a federal judge on Friday ordered um, this guy who I'm sure everybody has seen by now because he was in his dumb little costume, Jacob Chansley, who was the guy uh, wearing horns inside the Capitol. You know, that guy. You know, that guy. He was uh, ordered by this judge to be detained because he left this ominous note for Vice President Mike Pence um, in which he basically was like, "It's." he said in the note, it's only a matter of time, justice is coming. So this is just one example that has led the Department of Justice to be like, these guys rolled in at least with the intention to take hostages. Some of them wanted to kill people. But this was sort of like the first time the feds in the starkest terms they've laid out yet were like, these were not protesters. This was a violent mob. They had zip ties. They definitely were going to hurt some people. Right. And that, given what we saw just once they got into the mob section of it with beating a police officer to death, if there had even been a handful of people who had it as a serious idea to cause harm to legislators, it could easily have happened. I mean, everything that we've discovered is that it was so, so, so much worse. Uh, everything from um, AOC's lengthy Instagram live video where she says that she had a close call where she thought she was going to die. I mean, yeah, that that's, that's rough, guys. If you haven't seen that video, I highly recommend watching it because like I. I had speculated about their what their mindset, the representative's mindset must have been when that was happening and how frightening it must have been. It's a completely different thing to hear AOC, who lived through it, be like, no, I thought I was going to die. It's like it really drives home how serious it was, because part of what I hate about our culture is how quickly everything turns into a meme so it's how people process trauma, right? So like something really scary is happening, so we make a joke about it. But what happens when you turn something into a joke is you lose that impact of what the thing actually is. So hearing AOC unpack it really, it returns to the violence of the moment and how frightening it was and how easily it could have turned into a mass slaughter. Well, and... and- I I don't know if you guys got into this or even I I can't even keep track of when these details have been coming out, but that I believe it was also this week that um, Representative Ayanna Presley's chief of staff said that all of the panic buttons in her office had in the office had been removed at some point before January 6th. They went to. What? Yeah, I it was a uh, I'll even find it. And I'll send it to you. But the yeah. Yeah. Um, they had uh, this was in a right. It came up. Um, so this was three days ago. It looks like. So now the federal lawmakers are suppo- are apparently going to be looking into this. But they had uh, the chief of staff said that sometime before the the riot, the panic buttons were removed. And so when they went to try and barricade themselves in, they were not able to protect themselves as they <sighs> were supposed to be like- able. To. 
how do you go to work the next day? Cause now you're like, Oh, you have no interest in protecting me. They can get in so easily. Somebody took the panic buttons out of my office. Like, is there another way to interpret that? That isn't you people are trying to get me killed. Absolutely. And, uh, this is, uh, this, And then you add in the fact that now people are testing positive for COVID. Yeah. Um, Presley's husband has tested positive for the coronavirus. And so far we've got three members of Congress. And And by uh, the way, so they were sheltering in place, all of the representatives together. Republicans were actively making fun of guards who were telling them to put on masks. They were like, making a joke about it. And now, yeah, three Democratic lawmakers, Ayanna Presley's husband, all have COVID because these fucking assholes didn't want to wear masks. Yeah. I got that link, girl. I got that link. Excellent. I just want to make sure, you know, I'll fact check myself. No one's ever sent me a link before on (laughs) Skype and it scared the shit out of me. I was like, oh, is it an invasion? Is it happening? Are they cresting the wall? Yes. Uh, so there are, you know, these are, God knows if we'll ever actually get the full story. And I think that given how clearly there was an L like there was an element of coordination among people, exactly who they were and what organizations they were connected with. Uh, we don't know, like that worked to make some of these things possible. And it is just the complete dumb luck that dumb some of these luck. things, I mean, we all, you know, here's another example of, of the, the whiplash we feel even after it was clear that the men in Michigan who wanted to kidnap and kidnap show trial and then execute Gretchen Whitmer, uh, after reading that, you know, the charging documents, it became clear that it was a legitimate mm-hmm plot and not just a bunch of idiots kind of sitting around getting drunk in the, at a hunting cabin talking about how they should like overthrow the government if they could ever get off their asses. Um, that kind of, we just forgot about it. And well, yeah, I think I, I make this, I make this mistake a lot and I know a lot of people probably do this as well. It is very tempting when you see these guys to just be like, what a bunch of dumbasses. But what I encourage everyone to remember is history has shown us over and over and over again, dumbasses can have a huge impact on our history. Well, you can have a thousand dumbasses. And if the thousand and what and the thousand and first is Timothy McVeigh, you're yep, fucked. Yep, yep. And let me tell you something, Timothy McVeigh, huge dumbass, huge <laughs> dumbass, you guys. But yeah. what an impact, right? Uh, like, you- a dumb motherfucker can change the world forever. So are these guys stupid? Oh my God, they're so dumb. Do they look so dumb in their little costumes? Oh my God, you guys, they look so dumb in their little costumes. That doesn't mean they're not incredibly dangerous and could have executed members of Congress. Yes. And, um, I don't know about you, but I am holding my breath for what will end up happening between now and Wednesday. Yeah, I know. I can't even like, cause what did I keep saying on the show? They can't have this fucking inauguration outside. And what are they doing? They're going to have a fucking inauguration outside. And I'm just like, listen, I, it'll probably be fine, but I'm like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? The Once again, it's us 
it's us being the government and being people in power choosing to resort to security theater, locking down DC, bringing in the National Guard, um, making, you know, sending warnings to everyone in every state because it, there could be dangerous protests. Um, There's but, a green well, zone. You, now we have a green zone. And what could they do that would actually help things uh, maybe seem less terrifying? They could not have it fucking outside. Like, they could. I just don't understand. They're like, well, we won't let Biden take Amtrak there. And it's like, cool. But will he be exposed in a field for like a long time? They were like, yeah. I know their calculation. I know their calculation is, well, we don't have the traditional audience. So it's like less of a perimeter to maintain. I like know what the security calculation is. I still think it's fucking stupid. Well, and, and also what it comes down to is the danger isn't going to be in D.C. because they put all of these people there. Right. Um, and I, I hope that that bears out and I'm not wrong. Um, it's going to be in some of these states where you have. Yeah. You know, it, it's going to be whoever's gone, whoever went to ground after the Cliven Bundy nonsense who's just been biding their time or a bunch of, uh, you know, these frustrated, whoever in Wisconsin, it could happen in Michigan. It could happen. In- well, Whitmer, uh, Whitmer just activated the national guard for Michigan. Like we see this because on the day, the Capitol riot happened, it was immediately clear that they had activated like multiple cells at the same yeah. time. And it's like, Guys, this is new normal. This is going to keep happening, you know? So should anything, not should, we know they have plans for Inauguration Day, right? There's nothing to stop the same sort of multi-state, multi-city activation of cells again, because this is what we have to live with now. We have militias in the United States, and they're everywhere. Yeah, and they don't have to work in concert for things to be incredibly destructive. You just need the destabilizing violence in a few locations that are insufficiently prepared to cause a ripple effect that will end up creating a nightmare scenario because every time there's a level of success, people in other, other states and other locations look at that and say, Oh, I bet we could actually make that happen. And this doesn't, it doesn't have to be this way, but we allowed it to get to this point because warnings about white supremacist violence and white nationalist terrorism have been ignored for decades. Right. Um, So before we get into good news, I wanted to, oh my God, I tried to click on this link and I don't know what's happening. It's okay. It's fine. Um, I guess we should talk about the stimulus announcement that Biden made just because I'm so frustrated (laughs) by some of the responses I've seen from like liberals So Biden announces this $2 trillion COVID relief plan. Um, Good. We need a relief program. We need a huge relief program. Um, And as part of the announcement, he says that people are going to be sent $1,400 
as a as a one time payment. Wait, Allison, that doesn't sound right. I thought it was supposed to be two thousand dollars. Well, Meredith, the way math works, as several liberals tweeted me, is if you add fourteen hundred dollars to the six hundred dollars Trump already sent us, that equals. Are you ready? Two thousand dollars. So oh. he's not a liar. Nira Tandonomics in effect. Yeah, and it's, it's so frustrating because it's like, <laughs> listen, I know you want to cheerlead the Democratic Party right now because you're scared and um, every other traditional institution has failed you. So that's like your team. But they had said they were going to send people $2,000. And if you are not a rich person, there's a big difference between $2,000 and $1,400. Maybe not for you personally. Congratulations on being privileged. But to the typical quote unquote American, which is, you know, most people are not wealthy in this country. If you say, do you want $2,000 or do you want $1,400? They'll say, I'd like $2,000, please. So if you think this is going to be spun in any other way, other than the Democrats fucking lied to you day one, you're high. Yeah. Well, Rashida Tlaib is already. I know. God bless. She's in my good news section. Okay. Well, so yeah. her response was excellent. So we can save, save that for the good news. But the, we haven't even hit inauguration day and the Democrats are already backtracking and negotiating with themselves down. And if that isn't the most democratic party of the 21st century thing, uh, that I could ever have imagined, um, it's almost like it, it's like you knocked my knocked me on the head uh, right after they passed Obamacare and then just sort of memory wiped it from me. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, we've got a mandate to do this. Let's immediately lower the bar and start from a place that is less than what we had initially said we were going for. Yeah. yeah. And I know, like, I know everybody wants to be optimistic and, you know, pessimism gets us nowhere, but you have to confront reality when it, when it rears its ugly head. Right. And it's important to, especially because media outlets were falsely reporting this and calling it a $2,000 stimulus when it's like, no, 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 no. It's $1,400 plus the 600 we already got. That distinction is important to people who are not wealthy. Yeah. Also, you can't just say this thing that they did before uh, that the, the Trump administration is like, is this your way of being bipartisan? You're just going to say, OK, these guys, the thing that they did for you when they were trying to, you know, make up or, you know, not get not lose elections because they were screwing people for all of 2020. Let's just work with them on that. And then somehow we'll get the credit, even though we're giving people less than we promised. And that's not even getting into the fact that the unemployment supports that are built into the stimulus are not good enough and won't actually end up making a huge, like won't make a difference and doesn't solve the problem of states that have like still having completely overloaded unemployment offices, which means people who might be eligible for support based on new programs Will have no way to get it because they can't even get their phone call to go through. Um, there, it, it is none of it is it is all necessary. None of it is sufficient. And but Meredith, uh, I saw someone on Twitter say this isn't even going to matter in 2024. You mean because we'll all be dead from the coronavirus because nobody also, got vaccinated before? Are you fucking high? Like the person who was like, it's not going to matter in 2024. I'm like. Again, 
huge difference between $2,000 and $1,400. I do think making promises like we're going to send you $2,000 and going back on it does have a huge consequence come 2024. You know what actually makes a substantive difference in people's voting behaviors? Doing shit for them. Yes. And the fact that you are not even in problems. (laughs) Right. And the fact that you are not even in power yet and you're handing the opposition such an easy way to be like, you lied to people, which you did. I know you see it as framing it differently, but you lied to people. You're not even in power yet. It's not even day one and you're already doing this shit. Like, how do you think people are going to respond? Well, also, we haven't even gotten to the fact that it's not a plan. He can't just make this happen. It has to get through Congress. And just because we've got 50 votes, that doesn't mean there won't be an absolutely brutal negotiations and spin from Republicans that ultimately ends up cutting really important parts of the stimulus package, and they're all going to talk about deficits. And it doesn't matter how many times Biden says, guys, right now, deficits are the only way to go because our country is going to fall apart without it. They can still say the Democrats are out here trying to, you know, give away stuff to people who don't deserve it. Even though during the pandemic, the richest people in the world made a trillion dollars. This is not what we should be thinking of. But of course, that's not how, that's not what the Biden-Harris administration is all about. Something about unity, forward-looking. We did it, Joe. We did it. Guys, on that note, here's your good news. Okay, so obviously in good news, we got to acknowledge that Trump was impeached for the second time. Congratulations to the Trump administration. Historic day. Never happened before, not once in the history of our itty-bitty country. So what an achievement. What a proud day. It does. Yeah, we we did it, Joe. We and did it, Joe. <laughs> if you don't think I'm going to say that one million times over the next four years, you're high. Sorry. Uh, but yes, and who knows what will happen now, but it was absolutely necessary. And, um, and I'm glad that they got their asses in gear and did it. And I think we should extend all credit to the most progressive members of the House in particular, mm-hmm. Ilan Omar, AOC, Ayanna Presley, Rashida Tlaib. I believe they're called by the the kids, uh, the squad. Oh, right. I forgot that the kids have a fun name for it. But also mm-hmm. because the new Congress had started, we did have a few other progressive. The squad expanded. The squad expanded. Yeah. But we had some very smart, very shrewd- I call them squad gore. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, now that pushed for it and didn't let any of the more conservative, more entrenched, um, dare we say, we could call them cobwebby mm-hmm. Democrats of the House and Senate to uh, slow walk things. 
Um, cause I do think it like in hindsight, just looking at how people were discussing things like Pelosi and Schumer were talking, uh, they could very well have decided not to take action in a meaningful way. And I think that the push from the younger, newer members of the house on the left really, uh, led to a level of action that we should be happy with. For sure, yeah. I will say uh, it is embarrassing to uh, see adults that I follow who I know are smart people speculate that Trump's going to go to jail (laughs) at some point. Like, he will face any kind of legal consequences for anything he's done. And I don't know how to say this, but... um. No, like former presidents don't go to jail. I don't care who they are. Um, W killed way more people than Trump. If you want to look at like who committed the most international war crimes, Um, he's walking around having a great time. He's doing his little paintings. He goes to a lot of baseball games. He didn't go to jail. So like, while I do also have in my good news section that like I'm enjoying watching the the Trump administration implode, and I do think that like Trump's gonna have to send people to go represent him in court for the rest of his life, which might be an inconvenience for him, which is like a nice thing to think about that he'll have to be inconvenienced the rest of his life. He's not gonna go to jail. Well, I I. I'm a little more optimistic. Really? Uh, Maybe optimism is the wrong way. I see a couple of possibilities that exist. They're small, but through state-level prosecutions. Yeah, like New York, you mean? Yeah, I I think that New York State and New York City's absolute burning never-ending hatred for Trump and the way that he's behaved, coupled with his obvious and flagrant misdeeds, could lead, at the very least, to some level of conviction. I think he's going to have to pay a hefty fine. (laughs) And I think that right now there are members of the justice establishment that are 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 determined to try and find a way for there to be accountability beyond fines. That this isn't a place where everybody just decides to let it Citibank out and then they can just sort of like pay. The most, the most I can imagine is someone will fall on the sword for him and be like, I did it. I did the bad. And they'll go to prison. I mean, who knows? But Uh, anytime anyone like a reporter brought it up to Biden and Biden was like, I don't think that's in the national interest to send a former president to jail. Well, so like that impulse is still there to be like, we have to like, remember Obama, we have to move forward. We can't look backwards. Oh, it's just like the reflexive response by the Washington establishment is just, it's bad for the country. If we hold presidents accountable. Right. You know, then again, Given that the United States still doesn't, you know, the United States establishment still really doesn't want to grapple with any of its complicity in the massive sort of genocidal events of the last 60 years, or the fact that we've like murdered any number of democratically elected leaders, supported dictators, 
Uh, I've done it all. I can see why there is this sense of like, I don't know if this is when we want to start getting into truth. And yeah, right. there's a little bit of like, well, we can't start pulling that thread because if we pull that thread, we'll never stop. And then people will think we're a bad country. And it's like, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe if you ask one of the children, like the, like a Yemeni child, what they thought about that, they probably would tell you, except they can't talk because they're too starving. Yeah. Yeah. Guys. Think uh, about that. Yeah. Uh, well, did, that took a turn into bad news again, but yes, I think yeah. it would be nice to well, see. Well, you bring up an interesting point that I think you're right on, which is the difference between Obama coming in after W and Biden coming in after Trump is with W, we didn't have the state option. Right. It was literally like, well, unless we have like a war tribunal right now that would have impeded on the Obama years. I mean, the Republicans still fucked that up anyway, but I'm sure that was an, a calculation by the Obama administration. Like, are we going to get bogged down in this and not like try to pass health care because we're trying to send W to jail. Whereas we have the option, let New York handle Trump and Biden can still work on like huge national matters. Yeah. And I, and that could end up being good because you're right. Having to go through trying to hold accountability for torture, Guantanamo, et cetera. Um, while also trying to bail out the economy from the financial crash and pass healthcare. Do I find it to be a compelling argument? No, I still think they should have done it. But I can at least see why they why there was a decision to be cowardly at that moment. Mm. At this point, I think there is absolutely no reason why we shouldn't rely on the full force of the domestic legal establishment. You know, the sort of it's like how we have all of these laws that we can use to prosecute people for terrorism without passing other laws. And yet somehow we keep doing that. Right. We can just use the ones we have. So I yeah, think that's really I important too. That's like a really important point because people are freaked the fuck out right now, and that's usually when the government like passes these really draconian measures. That it's like we didn't need this new scary prosecution on steroids legislation because we already had a perfectly good law on the books, but people get so scared after something like the Capitol invasion that they're willing to just throw away all of their liberties under the, the, the guise of more security, quote unquote, when it's almost never, it almost never actually makes you more secure. It just makes you less safe because you threw away your civil liberties. Absolutely. I mean, we also take our shoes off at the airport. And look how great that turned out. We are now perfectly safe all the time. Thank mm -hmm. you, TSA. So I put this in the good news section as part of like the good news of watching the Trump administration implode because man, it is just like down to the minute on the schedule of an authoritarian regime imploding, like everything, like Trump's like, you know, speeches from the balcony, being shuttered and isolated in the White House, turning on his close advisors. And my favorite example of this happening recently is Trump is refusing to pay Rudy Giuliani, <laughs> which yeah. is so good. I was talking to a lawyer and he was like, yeah, if you're a lawyer and you lose, you expect to not get paid. But I was like, shh, 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 shh. 
just let me enjoy this. I like to think it's like uniquely Trump because I think it is for him to be like, fuck you, I'm not paying you, you know? Oh, he would have said, fuck you, I'm not paying you, even if he had. And one. Yeah, he stiffs people constantly. Yeah, he doesn't have a problem not paying his bills. Uh, and, but it's just bad lawyers, bad strategy. And now they're, yeah, now they're not getting paid and they're humiliated. It's, it is pleasant to see uh, everybody having, you know, just having such a sad about these experiences. Same with seeing all of these stories where uh, young people who have been working in the Trump administration, who clearly have good source relationships with the people writing these stories, uh, suddenly showing up in pieces about how worried they are about their professional futures. Because like, I just really believed in like what we were doing, but not the cages. Not the like, not the white supremacy. But now I was like, I can't get a job, and I think, oh, oh no. Oh. By the way, if you ever have to describe your old job as I thought we were doing good work other than the cages, that's <laughs> it's not good. It's I'll just say it's not good. You were yeah. not doing good work ever. Right. Um, and then finally, obviously, Meredith, you already teased this story, but I do want to shout out uh, good work when it occurs, wherever it occurs. Um, so yeah, the squad, including AOC, Rashida Tlib, um, I know Ayanna uh, Presley tweeted this as well, but AOC and Rashida Tlib have already co-written the COVID amendments that include uh, the $2,000 checks at the full $2,000. So they agree that people should be sent $2,000 checks. Although special credit to Ayanna Presley, who tweeted the following, the people deserve demand and require $2,000 recurring monthly survival checks. Yes, Ayanna, make it monthly. They can make it monthly. They have the money. Don't ever let them tell you they don't have the money. Whenever they fucking want to go to war, they find the money. So they can find the money to send everybody in America a $2,000 recurring monthly survival check until people can go back to work. And even then, I think people should be sent um, a, a minimum living wage. Yes, I agree. Universal wages. Uh, and and it should be retroactive. Let's not forget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that uh, any number of of excellent representatives in the House and the Senate have uh, been calling for this for the entire time uh, that we have been under lockdown, and it continues to be a good idea. It does. So credit where credit is due. Thank you to the squad, the ever growing squad. I call her Squad Gore. Um, feel free as well. If you would also like to call her that, uh, let's make it happen. Please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, not at the moment. Although I feel like you and I need some more recommendations for, um, we need some more movies to watch because we're starting to get a little low and I still need to send you my list of I know. I guys, if you could see the recommendation list of shit I haven't even recommended on this show, it's like a mile long. I've watched so many movies. I have to be very discerning when I recommend stuff on this show, especially if it's like relevant or timely, like WandaVision. I'm like, okay, I got to prioritize that. 
But um, yeah, so much to recommend. Yeah, send us always recommendations, especially if you're a Patreon supporter of mine. You get to skip the line. So patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any comments about today's episode, hashtag Light Trees and Pod on Twitter is the best way to reach me and my co-hosts. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little trouble. 